Welcome to Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. Thank you for joining us as we listen to another message from Pastor Daniel Shirley. I was blessed last week to uh, be at Together Church in Yakima, Washington, and uh, heard a tremendous word from uh, Pastor Mekon Carter, and uh, uh, great word there and it was encouraging to me it's good for me to get refreshed in that way and but i'm glad to be home with you today praise god um two sundays before that i was in guatemala and ministering the word there and so uh this morning before i really get into the the message i want to just share a little bit about that trip and say thank you if you if you gave to help us to go to to guatemala uh Thank you so much for for sending us. Praise God! There there is a place in in, uh, in missions for for those who go and a place for those who send. Praise God! And the goers and the senders receive an uh, an equal part in the reward, an equal part in in the harvest. And uh, so I want to just tell you uh, just a little bit about. Uh, about the trip, and then we're going to get it right into our message. I won't spend long doing this. Um, you know, there are times when we do uh, when we do missions and we do outreaches um, where the the unsaved are in our uh, in the crusades in the uh, outreaches, and you know, and we have a harvest of of souls into the kingdom of God. And then there's other things that we do sometimes, and we just go and we minister to the ministers, we minister to the pastors, we minister to, to, to their churches, we encourage them and challenge them. And uh, some of the things that I've been sharing around here for uh, a, a while now, I just really felt like the, I, I heard the Lord saying that it needed to be uh, shared in Guatemala. So this is what I went in. And, and, you know, some of you remember a couple of years ago when I shared a series of messages about seven mountains of influence. And that if we were going to take our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we were going to have to um, uh, bring the in, God's influence into these seven mountains. They affect every person's life who, who ever lived on this earth. And, and these seven mountains of influence, they, they uh, uh, deal with family, government, education, arts and entertainment, and media, and... Uh, uh, spirituality and economy and and those seven things affect everyone's life and uh, the church for too long has said um, well we'll take spirituality or religion and maybe family but the devil can have all the rest but in reality God said that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof it all belongs to him not just not just religion and not just family, but it all belongs to him. And he wants his influence felt in every sphere of our society. Praise God. Every aspect of, of our lives. And then furthermore, <clears throat> I, I, I have been talking a lot lately about creativity. And that God uh, created us in his own image and likeness. And he breathed into us the breath of life. And... When he says he created us in his own image and likeness, well, remember, he's a creative God. The very first thing that is revealed about him in Scripture, in the beginning, God created. Praise God. So we don't even get out of the first verse before he is revealed as a creative God. Well, he breathed into us the breath of life, a part of himself, praise God, he put on the inside of us, and and uh, so what that tells me is that if he is a creative God, then we are, were created in that same image to be creative. And uh, when it comes to the seven mountains of influence, God has new and better ideas. He has new ways to govern that nobody's ever thought about before. He's got new ways to do education than, than we ever thought about before. He's got new ways to make money than we ever thought about before. And I, I shared these things, and I encouraged these, uh, these pastors to begin to uh, uh, 
begin to be creative in their thinking of how to reach their their world, how to reach their culture, how to reach their 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 country, their uh, their society, and so to. Uh, to allow the creative nature of God to manifest itself in, in their lives, in their churches, in their, uh, in their relationships with people. We had an opportunity to, uh, to sit down. You know, I know that some of, our, uh, some of our young people around here have been to Guatemala. And uh, uh, when they were there, they went into a school. And, uh, and shared the gospel in a school. JT, you were on that team, weren't you? Part of that team that went into the school there. Well, we, uh, you know, they had a, a, a tremendous time of ministering the word of God, get this, in a public school. But, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think that's tremendous. But then uh, while we were there, we were able to have the teachers. It's right at the end of their school year there. And so the teachers from this school came and had a lunch with us, and we were able to share with them and uh, just just encourage them and sow into their lives. And uh, so I was so excited to be able to do that. And then uh, uh, another thing that we did was we there is a ministry there um, called Hands of Salvation, and of course it's Spanish for that, uh, but uh, uh, in the English translation of it, it's Hands of Salvation. And uh, there are families that they bring in. In fact, this couple that, that we met there, they started out a couple of years ago with uh, a thermos full of coffee. And they went into the parks and the areas where people were, and they just gave them a, a, a free cup of coffee. And today, they are taking in 40 families, and they, they give them food. They... Uh, uh, they are are teaching them some skills. While we were there, they were teaching them uh, uh, mostly young ladies, not not totally, but mostly young ladies. They were teaching them um, how to bake, and teaching them a a job skill that they could actually take that job skill and use it to get a job. And uh, uh, and while they're teaching the Primarily, like I said, the mothers, as they're teaching them, then they also bring in their children at the same time and teach them about Jesus. Praise God. And so, uh, you know, and one thing that, that our missionaries, uh, John and Tracy Batchelor, that are, are there, are, are doing is uh, this, this ministry wants to provide uh, backpacks of school supplies. Now, in Guatemala, they have public schools, but the parents have to buy books. The parents have to buy uniforms. And a lot of times, kids can't go to school because they can't afford the books or the uniforms. And so the, the, the kids just don't get to go to school. So what they're doing is they're supplying them with a backpack that has the school supplies for that year. And so they have a goal... Uh, this, this uh, ministry, Hands of Salvation, to provide 90 students with backpacks with, with their supplies for the year. And uh, I just want to throw this out there, and if you would like to get involved with this, in fact, I, I encourage you to, to ask the Lord if He wants you to do something about this. But for $30, you can provide a student with a backpack. And, uh, you know, if you want to do that, you can give it through the church here, and we'll funnel it right in the right direction to get that to them. Uh, but, uh, it, you know, the more, the more that we can do, then the more they'll, you know, that, that's how they work towards the goal of, of 90 uh, students provided with, with backpacks. Uh, but anyway, consider that, and then, like I said, you can give through the church to do that, and, uh, and we'll get it to the to John and Tracy, praise God, and, uh, you know, but one of the things that we were able to do, uh, we were able to sit down with some of the pastors, and, uh, and, and visit with them, and encourage them, uh, went back uh, three years ago, I went to a, a church in Salkaha, and uh, this church had, uh, 
was in the process. In fact, when I was there three years ago, uh, they were getting ready to move out of the location they were in and into another facility. And I was able to go in and see uh, what they had done. We stood in a place that was nothing but an open courtyard and weeds about this high three years ago. And today it's a beautiful sanctuary. And, uh, you know, they were able to 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 do that and... and uh, we were able to minister to their home group leaders and, and, and challenge them and encourage them. And, uh, you know, we, we met one of their home group leaders that, uh, that had come in and he had actually gotten saved through their, uh, their home ministries and then uh, he now leads a group. And, uh, you know, then, then we were able to, there's a, there is a, a, uh, a pastor that... Uh, uh, in Guatemala City, that uh, we were able to uh, to pay their way to go to a a uh, a marriage conference. His pastor and his wife, and and then to uh, they they wanted to go but they weren't able to go, and so we were able to to pay their way to go and then bless them with an offering on top of that, and so. Uh, you know, the reason we're able to do this kind of thing is because that people like you support what we do. Praise God. And so the pastors were so challenged, so encouraged. In fact, I am working very hard at, at how to uh, build the relationships with those pastors so that I will be able to, to uh, minister to them in a greater way. And we're looking for how we need to do that. Uh, that's not all clear to me right now. Uh, but as it becomes more clear and we, and we figure out how that we need to, to go about doing that, then, then we'll be letting you know so that you can partner with us uh, to minister into their lives. But these, these guys, these, you know, the, the Guatemalan people, uh, are, uh, they were so gracious to us, so receptive to us, and, uh, you know, just opened up their hearts and... Uh, you know, they wanted to be a blessing back to us, and they certainly were. And uh, so just wanted to share that with you and, and let you know what's what's been going on. And thank you once again for sending us to Guatemala. And we're going to be doing more of that up next upcoming trip. Uh, um, I, haven't, uh, uh, I haven't gotten any dates on this yet, but... Uh, um, but the next trip will will most likely be the Philippines, and uh, so that's coming up. So if you want to get involved with that, uh, then then you can do that. Praise God! And um, but let's get into the Word today. Just lift your hand and say this with me. Say, Father, I thank you for your Word. Your Word is spirit and life to me. I believe with all my heart that your Word, sown in good ground, produces good fruit. Father, I am good ground for your word. I'm a doer of the word, not a hearer only, and I am blessed in my deeds. And I rejoice today, Father, because you sent the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to me. So I call on you today, Holy Spirit, to do your work in my life. I'll receive truth, act upon it, be changed by it, and I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, today, our message title is Respond. And uh, I want to just begin with this. In 1 John chapter 4, verse number 19, it says, We love Him because He first loved us. We love Him because He first loved us. And... Uh, what we need to understand is that, uh, you know, many times we are waiting for God to do something. We're waiting for Him to respond to us. In fact, you know, in, in uh, my years in Word of Faith circles, I've heard many sermons on the fact that God responds to faith. However, one day, you know, I was, uh, I was just meditating before the Lord, and He said this to me. He said that... Uh, he said, no, I don't respond to faith. Faith is your response to me. Praise God. Now, let me explain that. You see, 
Jesus is called the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So God acted before we ever knew that we needed Him. He acted before there ever was a need. In fact, He says He's the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So that tells me that Jesus, in the mind of God, was already slain before there was ever before Adam and Eve were ever created. I mean, think about that. Think, well, you know, well, did God know that Adam and Eve were going to sin? Did He know that they were going to eat of the fruit uh, of the forbidden tree? Did, did uh, you know, did God know that? Well, obviously He did because in His mind, Jesus had already been slain before the tree even existed. Praise God. And so that, that's God in His foreknowledge. He knew that. So how in the world could we then say that God responds to our faith? No, what we do, we, we know and we believe what He did. We believe that Jesus is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And because we believe that, see, we respond to Him with our faith and say, Lord, I believe what you've done for me. Praise God. And many times we spend all of our time trying to talk God into doing something that He's already done rather than believing that He's already done it. Now get this. We love Him because He first loved us. That's a response to Him. You see, God has done some things, but we have to respond to what He has done. And when we are all the time saying, oh God, please do this, please do this, please do this. Well, let me just tell you this. If God wanted to do it, He has done it. So you're never going to talk God into doing anything. If God wanted to do it, He has done it. And if He wanted to do it, and He has done it, He did it, and He did it all in one way, he did it in Christ. There's a way that he did it. He did it in Christ. If he didn't do it in Christ, he's not going to do it. Praise God. So it would be in our best interest to find out what he has done. When we find out what he has done, and we find that on the pages of his written word that he has given us, we find out what he has done, and if we know what he has done, then we can respond appropriately. Now notice this, we love him because he first loved us. Now the New American Standard Bible says it this way, it says we love because he first loved us. It, it, the, the word him is not in there. We love him because he first loved us. Or the New American Standard says it, and, and actually this is more correct, says we love because he first loved us. So not only do I love him because he first loved us, I love you because he first loved us. Praise God. We love one another because He first loved us. His love has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And because He loved us, we are capable of love. We weren't even capable of loving until He loved us. Praise God. Praise God. John, the Apostle John wrote this. He says, He that, that does not love does not know God, for God is love. Praise God. Praise God. And, uh, you know, I, in uh, the 16th verse, if we back up just a little bit, I was reading from uh, 1 John 4, verse 19. If we back up to verse 16, it says this, And we have known, now here's our response. We have known something, but now our response is, and believed. We have known and we responded by believing. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. Do you believe that God loves you? You see, it's important to know that, he's, that He is love, but do you know that He loves you? Praise God.
Do you know that he loves you? I, I was watching on YouTube one day and, and, and uh, uh, was watching a, a, a worship video. Um, it was put out by One Worship, and the, the worship leader on there was uh, Dara McLean. And, and she made a statement. She was getting ready to sing a song, and she was introducing the song. And she said, do you believe that God is for you? Do you, or do you, she said, do you believe that God is for us? And, of course, everybody says, yes, you know, God is for us. But she said, but do you believe that God is for you? Like personally, individually, that God is for you. And that's the important thing. We, we've got to realize he's not just for us as in the human race, but he is for you on a personal level. And when we begin to realize the love that he has for us, John wrote, we have known and believed. We have known and believed. Praise God. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 3, it says, for, we, uh, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Now, do you believe that he did that on a personal level for you? What the law could never accomplish, God already did it. He's not responding to your faith. You see, we have been trying to create things that have already been created. We've been trying to get God to do things he's already done rather than just knowing and believing what he has already done. Praise God. Praise God. We think sometimes that our faith is the origin. But in reality, God is the origin. See, we think that if I have enough faith, then I can with my faith persuade God to respond to me. I have a need in my life, so because I have a need in my life, well, if I believe and have enough faith that God will meet my need, then I can get God to respond to my need and respond to my faith, and then He'll do what I need Him to do. You know, and, and I hear Christians say this a lot. Well, you know, we just have enough faith, God will do this. When in reality, He already did it. And if you have faith, you'll believe that He already did it rather than believing He's going to do it. And we're sitting around waiting on God to respond to us when He says, I need you to respond to me. Praise God. I need you to just believe what I did and respond to me appropriately. Praise God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 12. Um, no, I don't want to go there yet. Not quite, not quite yet. Um, but we believe that God is sitting there waiting for someone. See, it, it's, it's almost like this, like God has not done anything until he finds somebody with faith that can, with their faith, persuade him to do it. But in reality, God, in his foreknowledge, because he knew right where you would be today, he knew what need you would have today, he knew what you would be going through today, he knew what you would face when you go to work tomorrow, he knew what challenges you would face in your family, he knew what challenges you would face in your personal life. And because of that, God determined before the foundation of the world, here's how I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to give my only begotten son that he will go to the cross. He will pay the penalty. You see, I know that Adam is going to eat of the fruit of that tree I told him not to eat of, but I've already got a response to that. I've already, uh, I, I, I've already got in my mind how I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to send Jesus, and because the wages of sin is death, you see, just, just to give you an idea of how... how uh, how much foreknowledge and forethought that God put into this. Think, think of it this way. Jews, their, their way of dealing with crimes 
that were punishable crimes by death. The way they, the way they executed was by stoning. Now, uh, how many of you remember that Moses went up on the mountain and he received the Ten Commandments and what were the Ten Commandments written on? Stones. So, it's very significant that the Jews who were the nation that God would would use to bring Jesus into the earth and, and the covenant people of God so that that their means of execution would be stoning because breaking the law the wages of sin breaking God's law was death and death by stoning so not only when a person committed a a, a crime against breaking the law of God, they were convicted by the stones, by the tablets of stone. They were convicted by what was written on those tablets of stone. And then not only were they convicted by the stones, but they were also put to death by stones. But do you know that Jesus went to the cross? The Bible says when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son into the world. And he, he sent him into the world. He, was, he came into the world born under the law. Jesus functioned under the law. And so when Jesus came into the world functioning under the law, the plan was that Jesus would have to die to pay for your sin and my sin. You know, the wages of sin, the penalty for sin was death so Jesus would have to die but do you know that the stones could not convict Jesus Jesus uh, he is the only one who ever lived on this earth that perfectly kept the law so therefore there was nothing on those stones by which Jesus could be convicted and so Therefore, he couldn't be executed by stones. So in the Old Testament, God said this, this cursed is the one, in fact, we read this in Galatians chapter 3, it's quoting from the Old Testament, it says uh, that, that Jesus, it says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles by faith. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So if, one was, if someone was hung on a tree, which is what Jesus was, and hung on a tree, it says then they would be cursed. How many know that the curse came because of the broken law? Well, Jesus didn't break the law, but Jesus hung on a tree. So the curse came upon him because he was hanging on a tree. And the reason he was hanging on a tree is in our place. We should have been hanging on the tree. But he hung there in our place. All of the curse, God had to, God had to have a way. Remember I said we're, we're talking about how much forethought God had. That God had to have a way to get the curse on Jesus without Jesus breaking the law. Now, if he had broken the law, then the curse would have come upon him automatically because of breaking the law. But he had to get the curse on him without him breaking the law. So, what did he do? He waited till exactly the right time when the, Roman, the Romans ruled the, the known world at that time and Romans executed by crucifixion rather than stones. And because they executed by, uh, by uh, crucifixion, they nailed Jesus to a tree. When they nailed him on the tree, there was a provision in the scriptures that said that when he hangs on a tree, the curse will come upon him. Now, now God had, had thought that out, you know, I mean... God don't think things out like we think things out. You know, we, we figure it all out. God 
God knew in his foreknowledge, he knew how to get the curse on Jesus without Jesus breaking the law. But you see, he put he, he caused all of the curse to come upon Jesus. There is no part of the curse that, that did not come upon Jesus. Now, we can read in the Scripture and see what the curse is. The curse consists of poverty, of, of sickness and disease and pain, and, and, you know, and all of these kinds of things. It all came upon him. In fact, if there was any part of the curse that did not come upon Jesus, then it was not dealt with. If Jesus didn't deal with and, and uh, take care of every single part of the curse, then what we would have to conclude then is that what Satan did in Adam was greater than what God did in Christ. But I assure you that that's not the case. What God did in Christ far superseded God much more than dealt with the curse. Praise God. Because he caused the totality of the curse to come upon Jesus. And then he punished. What did he punish? He punished sin. He punished sin. And he punished it to the maximum extent. We would say it this way. He threw the book at him. The whole thing. And there is nothing in the curse that you are dealing with in your life today. There is no part of the curse that Jesus hasn't already dealt with. And so because of that, what God needs you to do is respond to what He has already done. Praise God. Praise God. Now, let's look at this. <clears throat> Many times you say, well, why, why then... Why am, I, why am I still dealing with these things? Why am I still struggling with these things? Why am I still going through these things? And that's a valid question. Um, but notice this. Here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 12, the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians says, You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. You are restricted by your own Affections. See, God has already dealt with sin, but many times our own affections, the things we refuse to turn loose of, or the things that we re refuse to respond to God about, those are the very things that are restricting us in our life. Now, I say this today because I want you to do a little self-examination. Am I doing things? You see, here's the deal. The prison doors open. We were all prisoners. We were slaves of sin. We were imprisoned to sin. But Jesus came along and he opened the prison door. But you have to walk out. Praise God. You've got to walk out. You see, if there are areas of sin... Jesus came, and his name was called Jesus in Matthew's gospel, the first chapter. It says this, his name will be called Jesus, for he will free his people from their sins. Now, if he freed you from your sins, then whom the Son sets free, the scripture says, is free indeed. You are free from the power of sin. But... If you voluntarily continue to live in sin, now, sin can't have dominion over you. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, sin cannot have dominion over you. If you put yourself under the grace of God, the Apostle Paul said, sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So in other words, it's not sin that has power over you. If you put yourself under the grace of God, it is not sin that has the power over you. It is your own affections. You see, the devil can't make you do anything you don't want to do. Praise God. Because the Son has set you free. And you are free indeed. You don't have to live that way. 
Yet I see too many Christians that continue to repeat the old things that they, that they did before they came to Christ. I didn't say they weren't saved. That's not what I said. I didn't say they weren't saved. But they continue to voluntarily stay inside the cell. They refuse to walk out and be free from it. If you've got things that are, that are going on in your life, I, I see people repeating the very same things that have enslaved them, repeating the very same things that have have uh, uh, that that they did before they came to know the Lord, and they continue to do those things because of their own affections. Paul says it's not us that's restricting you it's your own affections that's restricting you praise God praise God if, if, if you were doing something that was self destructive in your life before you came to the Lord and you came to Jesus the, the blood of Jesus has freed you from that you don't have to live that way anymore but if you want to continue to be in bondage to that thing maybe it's a matter of you don't believe what he has done we have known and believed the love that God has for us we have known and believed what God has done for us we have known and believed that the blood of Jesus has remitted our sins and has freed us from the bondage of sin. We know it and we believe it. Many people know it in their head. They know, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be living this way. This is not the way I ought to be doing things. But they don't believe that they have the power to rise up above it. And they continue to repeat the same destructive behavior because they, though they know Jesus went to the cross to pay for that, but they don't really believe that it freed them personally, individually from the power of it. Praise God. Praise God. We need to examine ourselves. Am I continuing to do things that are destroying my life I mean look at the things you're doing look at the way you're living are the things that you're doing that are self-destructive you know are the things that they messed up your life before then you came to the Lord and the Lord healed you of that and, and helped you straighten your life out and then as soon as he did you went right back to it again sin has no power over you I repeat that because you need to understand that. Sin has no power over you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, God's action requires a response on your behalf. God's not going to do something else. He's not going to go. Jesus is not coming back and dying on the cross again. It's not going to happen again. He's done it once, and once was enough. Praise God. Once was more than enough. Once provided all the power you need to walk free from sin. Praise God. To walk free from sickness and disease and pain. One sacrifice was enough for all of that. We don't need to persuade him to open the prison door. The door's already open. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 13. says this, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, now here's what the spirit of faith is. We believed, therefore, or I believe, therefore, I spoke. We also believe, therefore, we speak. So then we believe, and because we believe, we respond. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 4, verse number 3 in the King James Version says, For what saith the Scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him 
for righteousness. It was counted unto him. He believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So, let me just say it this way. You may know what he did for you, but until you believe it, it doesn't count. That's, that's what I got out of that, that scripture. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted, or it was counted. So, I just want to say it this way. Abraham believed, and it was counted. When you believe, it counts. Well, the, well that don't count. Oh, yes, when you believe, it counts. Praise God. Get, get that in your mind. When I believe, that's when it counts. Just because Jesus went to the cross to, for me, that didn't count to me until I believe it. Did you know that Jesus went to the cross for the whole world? He went to the cross so that no one will have to suffer the wages of sin. He went to the cross so that no person will have to spend eternity in hell. But there will be people who will spend eternity in hell. But until they know it and believe it, it don't count. Abraham believed God, and when he believed him, it counted. Hallelujah. When you respond to God with faith, that's when it counts for you. Oh, but I thought Jesus, you know, I thought he bore my sickness and carried my pain. Do, have you believed it? Or are you just saying something that you just memorized the scripture? You know, you just know something in your head. Or, or do you believe it? Do you believe it? Because when you believe it, that's when it counts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mark chapter, you know, we say around here all the time, God is madly in love with you. That's true. That's true. God is madly in love with you, and he loves you no matter what you have done. He loves you no matter where you've been. He, he loves you no matter what you did last night. He loves you. Praise God. He is madly in love with you but do you know that you've got to respond to that love in Mark chapter 10 verse 17 now as he was going out on the road one came to him running and, and knelt down before him and asked him good teacher what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life so Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good um, but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Come, take up the cross, and follow me. But he was sad at the word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now notice this one came to Jesus. He wanted to know what to do to inherit eternal life. Now, Jesus was ministering under the law here. Jesus had not been to the cross yet and, 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 uh, you know, and, and, and dealt with the law. So he answered him, and he, he said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? So if you're going to do something, well, you do what the law says. Jesus told him to keep the commandments. He says, Well, I've done that. Um, you know, which really 
I'm quite sure that the honest fact of the matter is he had not perfectly kept the commandments. He thought he had, but but he had not perfectly kept the commandments. But that's that's really not the point that I want to make here. The point that I want to make here is that Jesus looked at him, and what did he do? Jesus loved him. Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. Now, the the young man went away sorrowful. He didn't do what Jesus said to do. He went away sorrowful. But it doesn't say that Jesus stopped loving him then. Jesus looked at him before he ever told him what to do. He looked at him and he loved him. You see, Jesus looked at you and he loved you. And because he loved you, he went to the cross for you. Now, what you must do is respond to his love. You respond to what he did. But you know what? If you don't respond, he still loves you. Now, it didn't help you much. But he still loves you. You know, it didn't help this young man much that Jesus loved him. But Jesus loved him anyway. Oh, well, Jesus loves me no matter what I do, so I can just do anything I want to do. Well, yes, you can. He'll still love you. But they don't help you much. It doesn't help you much unless you respond to his love. Praise God. Jesus loved God's God's let me say this God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes upon him would not perish but have everlasting life. John 3:16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever here's the response believed upon him Whoever believes upon him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, every person, even people who have never even heard the gospel, God so loved them that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus has already been given for every single person on this earth. And every person who will ever walk on this earth, who will ever live on this earth, he has already given his only begotten son so that if they will just respond by believing what he did they will not perish but have everlasting life praise God now here's what we do many times Jesus looked at him and he loved him But many times we say, well, you know, if he only knew what I did. He does. If he only did, if he only knew what I did, if he only knew what a mess I am, if he, you know, I've, I've actually had people saying, you know, well, Jesus, Jesus paid for that. He died. He, he paid for that. Well, he shouldn't have because I'm too messed up. He didn't consider whether he should have or not. That didn't figure into the picture at all. He did it. He did it. And it's already done, and it's too late for him to back out. Praise God. It's already been done. Not that he would back out anyway. But, but it's too late. It's already an established fact. We're not trying to get him to do something. Many times in our relationships, we're waiting for people's response before we decide if we love them or not. Jesus looked at the young man and he loved him. Even though the young man did not respond appropriately. 
Jesus loved him first. So it was too late for him to not love him. He already loved you. No matter what you do. No matter whether you respond or not. But you see, Jesus loving you is not all that's necessary to change your life. Many of you are dealing with, your, with, with things in your life needlessly. And I say dealing with, I, I'm saying that you are, you are putting up with. Really, the fact of the matter is you're not dealing with it. But many of you are putting up with things in your life needlessly because Jesus already took care of it. And you're waiting on Jesus to do something. Well, if he wanted to, he could. No, he did want to, and he did. Praise God. If he wanted to, he could. But Jesus loves you, but he needs a response from you. His part is already finished, but he needs a response from you. See, you don't have to live in bondage anymore. You don't have to be enslaved anymore. Praise God. As I stand here today, I want to give you an invitation that if you have been living in bondage to things in your life, they've been dominating you, you don't have to live that way anymore. Because Jesus, from the foundation of the world down through time, He looked at you and He loved you. And because He looked at you and He loved you, He went to the cross for you. He paid for all of that. He dealt with all of that. He stripped all of those things, all of that garbage that is going on in your life. Jesus stripped it of its power. Praise God. It's power to dominate your life. And now you do not. See, I'm preaching good news here. Good news is what the gospel is. The good news is you don't have to live that way. Praise God. Paul said that you are restricted by your affections. Maybe you're being restricted by the things you refuse to let go of. Maybe you're being restricted by the things you refuse to make any kind of change about. You see, Jesus freed you, but if you don't want to be free, what's left? What's left? You know, He didn't just dump the blessed life upon you. He gave you an option. You get to decide if you want to let go of the things that are enslaving you. I want to, every head bowed and eyes closed, and I usually don't do things this way, but I, I just want to do this this morning. And I, and I, I just feel like this is, this is the way we need to deal with this today. If there are things in your life, I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I am going to ask you to, to slip up your hand. The room is dark. Everybody's heads are bowed and eyes closed, I trust. And if there are things in your life that are enslaving you, things that have been destructive in your life in the past, and you continue to repeat them, the good news is you don't have to live that way anymore. Jesus is saying, will you respond to my love? We're going to respond this morning by just slipping up our hand. So if that's you today, you say, Pastor, I'm tired of the way I've been living. I'm tired of the mess I've been making out of it. I'm tired of all the struggle. I'm tired of failing. I'm tired 
of sin and sickness and disease and poverty and lack and family turmoil and family chaos. I'm tired of my relationships going bad. I'm tired of all of these things enslaving me. And I want to respond to the love of Jesus today. Because I not only know, but I also believe the love that he has had for me. Praise God. I can see hands all over the room today. If you need to raise your hand, you're worried you're the only one. You're not. There's a lot of hands raised this morning. You're not the only one. We brought the lights down. Your friends are not going to see you on online. Praise God. But just slip up your hand. Say, I am responding to the love of Jesus. I am responding to the fact that he paid so I could be free. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, every one of these with hands lifted up today, in the name of Jesus, I declare that the prison door is open. And Father, I thank you that you are empowering, that you have empowered them. Your power is working in them to bring freedom from self-destructive behaviors, from self-destructive lifestyle from self-destructive beliefs in their lives. And in the name of Jesus, I declare to you, be free in Jesus' name. The prison door is open, so walk out of it. Walk out of it and refuse to let your own affections hold you in that prison anymore. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, be free. Maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you've never accepted Him as your Savior. See, that's where the, that's where the prison door swings open. Praise God. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, be saved. So I'm going to lead you to prayer right now, and I'd like everyone in this room to pray this with me. If you're watching online, I'd like for you to pray it along with me as well. Praise God. Let's just say this together. If you believe this, you pray this prayer according to God's word, you will be saved. So let's just say this together. Say, God in heaven, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me to pay for all of my sin I believe that he was punished in my place for my sin and today I accept his sacrifice on my behalf I believe that he was raised up from the dead so I could have new life And today I choose to put my trust in Jesus for my salvation. Jesus, come into my life. Change me. Thank you for saving me. Today I want to follow you. Amen. Now if you prayed that prayer and you meant that with your heart, before you leave today, let me know about that. Let me just, just to say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer with you today. We want to help you further. If you're watching online, just send us a message. Say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. If you do that, praise God. Communicate with us. We want to know. Hallelujah. Furthermore, Jesus said, there is a, a, a gift that the Father wants to give you. Of the promise of the Father. He said this. 
said that everyone who asks for it receives it. Everyone who seeks for it finds it. Everyone who knocks, the door is open. So in other words, there is no way if you are a child of God, if you have have received Jesus as your Savior, there is no way that the Father will ever say no about this gift. That is the gift of the Holy Spirit. When He comes, now He's the one, He's why you're saved, because the Holy Spirit regenerated you and made you a new creature. But furthermore, He wants to to come into your life in this way. We call it the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And there is an evidence that goes along with it, and that evidence is speaking with tongues. Don't be afraid of it. Because here's what Paul said about it. He says, he who prays in an unknown tongue speaks unto God and not unto men. We're not talking about talking to other people. We're talking about speaking to God, not unto men. He says that he speaks divine mysteries. He says when you don't know what you should pray for, you ought to pray. The Holy Spirit himself makes intercession for you with groanings which cannot be uttered. Praise God. Now, if you want to receive that gift, Jesus also said it would be power for your life. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. If you want to receive that gift, you can receive it just like this. Let's just pray this prayer together. I'm going to pray this. We'll pray it together. When we say amen, then I want you to take a deep breath. And then there's going to be a language that's going to come up from the very depths of your heart, from way down on the inside of you. There's going to be a language you haven't learned. There's going to be words. Just say them. Just say them. That's the Holy Spirit praying through you. Praise God. So let's just pray this together. Say, Father, I thank you that you have a gift for me as your child. Today, I want to receive my gift. So I ask you for that gift today. Jesus said you wouldn't turn me down. He said if I ask, I would receive. So I thank you for it right now. And I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now begin to say those words that are coming up out of your spirit right now. Just begin to say those. That's the Holy Spirit praying through you. He is the perfect will of God. Praise God. Praise God. We thank you, Father, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. One last thing. If you need healing in your body, well, we minister healing through the communion table today. If you would like someone to just lay hands on you and pray for you, just slip your hand up. We've got some people that I want to have if, if you see someone sitting close to you with their hand up, if you believe according to Mark 16 that you can lay hands on the sick and they will recover, just reach over and lay your hand on their shoulder. And in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we just speak healing into these bodies right now. In Jesus' name, we declare that by Jesus' stripes, they are healed. We thank you for them in the name of Jesus. Receive your healing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. It's been a blessed day. Pastor Jason's going to close. Sandy's going to close. Sorry. Sandy's going to close us out this morning. As I was praying this morning, there is somebody here that I, I don't know who you are. But you're saying that, God, it's impossible. 
I don't know what you've asked him for, but he has a word for you, and that word is, he is the God of the impossible, and that there is nothing impossible for him to do. All you have to do is believe it and claim it. So that word is for you, and I hope to hear who you are so that you can claim what you've been asking him for because it is his desire to give it to you. So there wasn't anybody that came up with prayer requests this morning, but I feel in my heart there's several in this room. There's people on watching. And so I'm going to pray a prayer because God knows what those, what those needs are, and he's wanting to meet them. So let's pray. Dear precious Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you are more powerful than any device of an enemy. And that, Father, you know the need of your people long before they ever even ask you. And I know, Lord, that it is your desire to meet those needs, Father. Lord, there are many. They're secret sometimes, requests. Father, they are needs of finances and health. They are needs, Lord, of family. They are needs, Lord, that have only been spoken just secretly to you. But, Father, you know what they are. So, Lord, I just ask you, Father, that each and every person that is listening, that is here this morning, that, Father, you will touch their hearts and bring forth that need, whatever it may be. Because, Lord, I know that there is nothing impossible for you. So, Lord, I just thank you for each and every one of them. And I ask you, Lord, that they have a blessed and prosperous day and a prosperous week. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Word of Life Church, please visit us on the web at wolcarlsbad.com. Thank you and have a great week.